What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the SoBros Network proudly brings to you some in-depth movie discussion with our resident film critic, Brandon Vick. Happy evening, everyone. The Vick's Flicks podcast is here. Sobros Nation, welcome back for another episode of the Vix Flicks podcast right here on Sobros Network. I'll be your host for the show, Big Natural Stony Keeley. You can follow me on Twitter at Stony Keeley. Follow us collectively at Sobros Network and at Vix Flicks Pod on Twitter. Joined as usual by the resident film critic of Sobros Network. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Big Shot himself. Brandon Vick. Brandon, how are you doing on this fine day? Oh, feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good, huh? to the weekend, and it's a holiday weekend, and the Chattanooga Film Fest is going to be popping starting tomorrow. So, you know, during these quarantine quarantine days, there's a, there's a lot of excitement in the air. Did it feel weird at all to not go to Chattanooga in April this year after having gone to the Chattanooga Film Festival the last two years and covered it for Sobros Network? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think like anything, it's weird that you're not there in person and you're not, you know, in their theater with everyone else who's, um, you know, eager to, to see uh, all different kinds of movies. At Chattanooga Film Fest has has come a long way uh, just within the past couple years that we've been. But yeah, it is um, their, their variety is unlike any other, I would say. But, uh, but yeah, but it's nice that they've had these platforms that are helping and to bring this virtual film festival and that people can still enjoy it. And it's also bringing, honestly, just from Twitter, it's going to bring a lot more, um, it's going to be a lot more noticed because people who probably can't, physically get there in the past yeah. are going to be able to check out a lot of these from a lot of different um, places and have a lot of, I think have a lot more eyes on it. So it was um, a good idea and a great opportunity for them. I'll tell you what, man, we've had some good times in Chattanooga uh, going down for the film festival each of the last years. Um, we got a lot of stuff done that first year. We did some restaurant reviews in Chattanooga we did, didn't we? I think the last two years we've podcasted every day that we were down there for the Chattanooga Film Festival. Yeah, I would say so. I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, we've always had something, and we could always. What's great about the about this film festival is it literally goes from Friday to well, usually it goes from what I think most of the time Friday to Sunday or Thursday to Sunday. This one's yeah. Friday to Monday. So it's over Memorial Day weekend, but it's not, you know, this two week film festival. So it, it's kind of cool and it's very intimate 
And I, I mean, and I love, I mean, I speak for both of us when I say that Chattanooga is such a great escape for those of us that live in Nashville. It's not a bad drive whatsoever. No, it's, it's so convenient. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can get there within like an hour and 45 minutes if you're leaving from Gladeville, which is where Sobros HQ is at. Um, we live, we live a little further away than that. It's like a two hour drive from where we're at, but still, man, you can't complain about that. And and to get down there, uh, and just disappear for a few days, catch some films, do some podcasts, write some reviews, stuff like that. It's a good time, man. I I've all the, the Chattanooga film festival holds a special place in my heart for that very reason. It, it is a hidden gem that I think a lot of people um, have started to catch on to. And what you said, I mean, even like the restaurants and stuff, I mean, it's it's a fun city, but it's not overwhelming. And um, yeah, yeah, I do kind of, I do kind of miss not going, but I was looking forward time, to it. I, I was going to yeah, join you this year uh, so that so, I could be more, more educated on our podcast instead of just being like, Hey, Brandon, you saw this. What did you think of it? Maybe I could have added something of value to the conversation for once. Well, listen, 2021 will make it happen, but, um, all in all the festival is showing up. They are doing it. And you know, that's always a good thing. It's a pretty, pretty young festival too, isn't it? Oh yeah. It's only a, uh, Oh gosh, maybe four or five years old. I think this yeah. might be the sixth, the sixth annual uh, film festival. So yeah, it's um, but to be a young film festival and to get the some of the movies they've been able to get and some of the notice they've been able to achieve, it's um, it says a lot about the people um, that are putting that together. Yeah, and we should also mention that Brittany Fernandez has stepped up and decided to uh, check it out and review a couple of movies and. Man, I, I know, you know, some of the, the reviews that she's put up on the site and then looking at what the Chattanooga Film Festival is offering this year, they've got some shit that is right up her alley. Yeah, I actually thought about not even doing anything. It just let Brittany handle it this yeah, year? Yeah, just <laughs> let her handle it. This is this is so much of, um, of hers. And, like, I would go through – I've been going through some titles to make sure. I mean, obviously – um, I was able to get an all access badge. And so I'm trying to go through and trying to see, okay, you know, there are four days and you know, how much can you get in? But yeah. I'm reading some and I'm like, Oh my gosh, she would love this one. She would probably dig this one. And so, um, um, I hope, I, I'm sure whatever she, she does, it'll be, it'll be great. But yes, this is, uh, this is so for her. <laughs> Well, Brandon, before we dive into today's topic, uh, let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you on Twitter. At Sir Brandon V, and always hashtag VixFlix for almost up-to-date reviews um, that I've been posting on there. Well, we are going to take our first commercial break of the show, and when we get back, we're going to talk about today's topic of discussion, Roland Emmerich, here on the Vix Flicks podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a woman in your apartment. <laughs> that happens sometimes. Back here on the Vix Flicks podcast, Stoney Keeley chatting it up with Brandon Vick. We're going to talk about Roland Emmerich today, Brandon. Uh, this is uh, a very uh, a famous director in Hollywood. Uh, maybe not necessarily always for the right reasons, but uh, the dude's grossed $3 billion at the box office. And I was stunned to see that number. Stunned. But then... Absolutely. In all, but in all fairness, there's some of those movies where I'm like, okay... I could see, I could see how maybe we got to some of it, but I still don't see how we got to three billion. Well, he's in the news this week because uh, it w- it was recently announced that um, he and Halle Berry would be teaming up for a space epic titled Moonfall. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Variety. Halle Berry is going galactic. The actress will star alongside Josh Gad in Moonfall. Ooh. A sci-fi space epic from director Roland Emmerich, Moonfall centers around a mysterious force knocking the moon from its orbit around Earth, which sends its hurtling on a collision course with life as we know it. In response, a ragtag team launches an impossible last-ditch mission into space to land on the lunar surface and save Earth from annihilation. Brandon, uh, sounds like a Roland Emmerich movie. You literally took the words out of my mouth. That is exactly who you call for a synopsis <laughs> like that. So, I I mean, who better? Who better? Barry will play a NASA astronaut turned administrator whose previous Makes space sense. mission holds a clue about an impending catastrophe. Okay, so Halle Berry's character knows a little bit about what's going on. Gad will portray a scientific genius who has Ooh. correctly concluded that the moon has fallen out of its orbit. Um, Lionsgate plans to release the movie in 2021. Production's set to begin this fall in Montreal. Uh, of course, this is pending safety measures around the coronavirus pandemic. Uh Josh Gad, interesting choice to pair alongside Halle Berry. What do you think about that move? You know what? De- hearing the description of his character, that's not too... I don't think it's as far-fetched as, you know, if you had, like, Gerard Butler, for instance. <laughs> Gerard Butler. Uh, for Geostorm. All- I never even watched that, but I'm going to assume it was shitty. Man, Geostorm. I totally forgot about that movie. I heard, I heard that was pretty awful. So, I don't know. I mean... I know we're going to dig into this a little bit, but um, I mean, nothing surprises me as far as as who he gets to star in these disaster movies. And I mean, honestly, once it once the trailers released, no one's going to be surprised by what this movie really ends up delivering, which is probably special effects, special (laughs) effects and some more special effects. Am I a fool for thinking this actually sounds kind of cool? Like, no, I yes, and you. First of all, you're not the only one, and two, no, that's it. But that's the thing about Roland Emmerich. There's a lot of stuff that sounds cool, and then, but him putting that world together and impressing us has been a real, has been a real roller coaster ride through his uh, filmography. I mean, it feels like I'm falling for a trap. Yeah, well, I mean, probably, and and <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't really know, like Halle Berry and Josh Gad is not like, um, you know, it's not Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, that's, but, um, that's fair. But I also feel like, listen, I love Halle Berry and Josh Gad and, you know, hell, maybe, maybe they'll, they'll be top notch for, um, for Roland Emmerich, but I what's, have a feeling that acting's not going to be top priority. What's the, uh, what's the last good Halle Berry movie that came out? Um, that's a good question. Honestly, I actually enjoyed the call. Yeah. That was the, uh, was that the WWE studios movie? Yeah. 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 But they actually didn't have like any wrestlers in it. Like it was like their first real, like, you know, kind of middle mid budget kind of movie, but ended up making a lot more than people thought. But, um, yeah, that's kind of the last one. I really remember it being, uh, like an actual, like good, decent thriller which wasn't too long ago. So, I mean, you know, she's doing all right. Would you say it's better than See No Evil, which in my opinion is the greatest oh. WWE Studios movie of all time? That and not The Condemned? No, I'm just I'm just full of shit. I did like The Condemned. Like actually like say, The Condemned. See, See no, no Evil, evil was did better get than a sequel. <laughs> Yeah, See No Evil was better than I thought it was going to be, but The Condemned I actually liked not because it was funny to like it. Yeah, no, no. The Condemned was actually more of like, you know what? The Condemned reminds me of a Jason Statham movie, The Death Race. It's really like getting cool people and it's just for the action, only for the action. And yeah. it delivers for what it wanted to do. And so, um, so yeah, I agree. You think it's a little ambitious to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to make this in the fall and then release it next year, given everything that's going on in the world? I mean, I guess it's a little ambitious, but I know there's a lot of productions that are gearing up. So I, I kind of feel like depending on how it's done and um, and kind of how they film it, I guess, up in Canada. I mean, it's not really I mean, I, I'm not really surprised by it. I'll be more surprised if they try to release it in the, like, you know, the summer of 2021. But that feels like a, you know, a Marge or a September kind of movie, you know, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> I didn't mean, yeah, you could be wrong. I just, that was yes as in, in agreement. Um, oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> we're going to take another commercial break. And when we get back, we're going to dive into the filmography of Roland Emmerich. <laughs> Who? Roland Emmerich here on the Vix Flicks podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back here on the Vix Flicks podcast, Brandon, uh, you talk about this guy's filmography. I'm kind of like you. We talked about this a little bit in our production meeting. Um, Roland Emmerich wasn't really a guy that was on our radar pretty early on in his filmography. Uh, He produced or directed, I should say, clarify, I forgot produce is an actual term in the movie business, but directed his first film, 1979. I, I don't. I honestly don't remember 
even really noticing him. This is going to sound like we're just dropping the elbow on this guy. <laughs> I don't really remember noticing him until 2012 came out in 2009. And then it was like I started making the parallels, started connecting the dots like, oh, this is the guy that did uh, 10,000 BC and the day after tomorrow and Independence Day. Those were the things that I kind of knew him for. When when do you think was the first time you really uh, took notice of him? I think for me, and I honestly, I think it's because it was part of the marketing um, kind of advertising, but... I realized I want to say it was probably the day after tomorrow. Yeah, two thousand four. I wanted to think that I realized that he also did, but for me it was only like, oh, that's right, he did Independence Day, and that was kind of it. Like that was kind of the only connection that I really had with that. And um, and as you know, obviously as we go along, we'll see. Um, there's a constant presence of disaster shit going on in his movies, but. The day after tomorrow, I think, was kind of the first thing like, oh, okay, that's who did Independence Day. And that's really probably as far as it went. And then from then on, as things came around, they always would put Independence Day and actually day after tomorrow, I think for 10,000 BC, for instance. Yeah. It seems like there's always these couple of big movies that they would would kind of reference. You would never see, you know – like they do for Christopher Nolan and put his name. If you put Roland Emmerich, people are like, who? <laughs> but, you put, but you put Independence Day and, okay, well, shit, you got my attention now. He seems to have built this brand around doing these big, epic, disaster-style movies. Uh, how important do you think it is as a creator uh, on the technical side of filmmaking to have that sort of brand recognition? And do you think that has helped him or, or hurt him? and his legacy that he's going to leave behind in Hollywood? Um, I don't know if necessarily hurt him. I do feel like that it puts this pressure of if, if you're going to do movies like the ones that we're discussing, it deals with special effects and with special effects, there's always the budget for what you want to do and what you can do. And then how it comes across. I do think that overall it's a lot of flashiness and I think that there's a lot of these movies that the story itself is not that strong. And I think it's more of like, oh, cool, these explosions are fun. But, you know, it's kind of like a Michael Bay thing. Yeah, sure. So looking back at his early filmography, uh, I'm not sure when you would say he arrived on the scene, so to speak. What Do you think it would be Independence Day in 1996? I. For me, yes. I don't know how, like, what he did before to get that gig, but for me, when you when you say Roland Emmerich and knowing what I know now, for me, it starts at Independence Day and you know Will Smith. Uh, I, let's give Universal Soldier a little bit of credit. Okay. Oh, he did the first one. He he was the director, Universal oh, Soldier, which that's probably what got him the gig. Yeah, I had, I don't know about you, but I had a, a Sega Genesis back in the day, and they had the little Universal Soldier game, and I played that shit all the time. I wore that well, game out. Universal Soldier, I know, was a popular movie, and I'm pretty sure they're still making sequels of it today. You, so, <laughs> Univo- so yeah, good for him. Universal Soldier. Released in 1992, got a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a common theme we're going to find as we we talk about yeah. Roland Emmerich's filmography. 
Uh, he only has two movies that are uh, 61% and 65%. 65% being Independence Day. Uh, and the other one I know for sure has to be The Patriot. Yeah, that's right. Those are the only two. Everything else is 51% or below. Yeah, I knew 10,000 BC, 2012, Day After Tomorrow. I knew all of those um, Bro, didn't didn't make the cut. 10,000 BC has a rating of 8%. Ouch. So let's oh. let's talk about Independence Day as as we move along on the uh, the Roland Emmerich timeline. That kind of felt like a game changer when it it came out. Even 1996, you and I were both 10 years old and even then Independence Day felt like a big deal. It felt like a big event at the movies. I remember getting the VHS for my birthday one year. I've got a summer birthday. So like I get that VHS, I'm watching that shit every day. And even to this day, you can go back and watch it. And I think it holds up pretty well. Oh yeah. It definitely holds up. That was also kind of the real, um, it's really what made Will Smith a star. I think, um, I mean, listen, Bill Pullman's speech as the president still gets played yeah. to this day. Yeah. I think Trump did something with it here recently that Bill Pullman commented on, but, um, but yeah, but you know, also, you know, in the, in those, in the nineties, it was one of those that it was a cool story, but also it's those special effects were something very different from what we had really seen before. And especially yeah. the kind of story that they're trying to tell with the alien invasion and everything else. So, um, yeah, I think it definitely holds up, uh, to today. I think there's a lot of memorable, uh, scenes and lines from it. And, um, and yeah, I think it's, it's very much still entertaining and an absolute fun. Like to me, that was one of Roland Emmerich's real like blockbusters. Of course, he directed it, he produced it, he wrote it, gets credit for, for all three of those. 1998 gets the same uh, stat line, if you will, for the Godzilla remake. I, I learned that doing prep for this show. I never realized that was him. I didn't either. And you know what? I actually, I, I like that one. It's a one with Matthew Broderick in it. Yeah. And I, I actually enjoyed it. Now I get it, you know, from the remake they've done. I think it was in 2014 and they've started, you know, kind of starting doing the Godzilla Kong thing. But, um, you know, for what it was and back then, I I actually remember seeing it and really enjoying it and having the VHS. So, again, for me, right now, Roland Emmerich is a genius. <laughs> yeah, to, He's a genius. To 12-year-old Stoney and Brandon, this dude can do <laughs> right. no wrong. I, I remember right. I have fond memories of Godzilla. I don't think I've watched it since it came out. Maybe maybe it's something we should we should put on the to do list. We need to sit down and and revisit 1998's Godzilla. I I have seen it because obviously I did have the VHS, but I don't know the last time I've seen it. But I've definitely seen it since the um, since its release. And um, again, but you know, I mean, I I, I don't even want to suggest you compare it to the one that they've redone because obviously a lot of stuffs changed between wow. the late 90s and then 2014. But um, but I actually remember thinking it was pretty cool. I I I enjoyed it. But uh, but yeah, and I think it would be interesting for you to to watch it now and see kind of what it 
what it can do. I don't I have a feeling it's not going to probably have that same effect as Independence Day, but you know, I don't think it was a disaster or anything. People forget that Puffy stared down fucking Godzilla in the music video and Godzilla and backed Page. away. Him Godzilla backed Page. away. Yeah. First of all, yes, that's true. And two, him and Jimmy Page, that was an awesome song. I loved it, man. I love that I remember that, shit. that music video. Uh, don't forget Tom Morello either. Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine playing the guitar on it. Oh, no. I just remember him and Jimmy Page, but... Now but I'm going to yes. have to look that up because you cast that doubt in me and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. And I, I have the soundtrack. Yeah, it was a good I soundtrack. I soundtrack to that and um, I believe it's... Um, I think the Wallflower, some Dolphin song is in that, is on the soundtrack. You're right about the the 2014 remake, though. Uh, it's got okay. listen. It's got it's got Ken Watanabe in it. So of course, 98's not going to hold a candle to that. Boom. Boom. That's all you need to know. We're going to take another commercial break, and when we get back, we're going to flip the calendar to the 2000s, talking about Roland Emmerich's filmography here on the Vix Flicks podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back here on the Vix Flix podcast, talking about Roland Emmerich's filmography. Brandon, this is another one that kind of stands out from the rest of his work. In 2000, he directs and produced The Patriot, starring Mel Gibson, which I think is one of Mel Gibson's more underrated performances. That's a I love that movie to this day. Dude, him and Heath Ledger. Him and Heath Ledger. Yeah, you're right. Everybody talks about the Joker, but man, this was a this was a good good strong performance from both of those guys. I literally did not realize he made this movie until today. Here we go. We're we're learning things here. We're but, growing. But honest to God, if you look at that, no one would ever think the guy who did, you know, Independence Day and Godzilla and would go on to do Day After Tomorrow and stuff would actually do this like back in the day solid war movie. And yeah, I agree. It's it's probably Roland Emmerich's one, if not the best movie he's probably made. I would I would agree with that. Um, 2004, we get the day after tomorrow, which I kind of felt. I think at the time I liked it a little more than you did, but still yeah. didn't really live up to the expectations. I mean they they sold us quite the disaster movie, and it it kind of felt like it fell a little flat. But listen, Dennis Quaid, Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, yeah. you know, there's there's there are no slouches here, but um, but yes, I do remember being disappointed with it. That's for sure. And I, I feel like other people, it was, it, I feel like it was a mixed reaction, but it's one of those where it's, it, it drags on. And again, you start to notice that he's not, it's not the greatest in developing these characters within their story as much as just yeah. like, oh, look at this. Look, oh God, look at this, you know, look at this disaster and look at this chaos. And so, um, I think it really, you really started to notice that in Day After Tomorrow, no matter who he got to be in the movie. 
Day After Tomorrow was the first time he had written, directed, and produced a movie since 98's Godzilla. It would be uh, another four years after the Day After Tomorrow before he would do that again, in which he directed, wrote, and produced 10,000 BC in 2008, and then 2012 in 2009. Um, these three in a row, we're talking about him directing, writing, and producing movies. You got The Day After Tomorrow, 10,000 BC, 2012, Man, that ain't uh, that ain't the the best of runs to be on right there. No, it's um, it's a problem, and there's a common theme through each of them, and I think it's more spectacle than story. And no matter what you can do with these special effects, they almost become a distraction if you don't have, you know, a actual plot and character development. And I think he starts to become really what he is has kind of been confined to now as oh you know look he can destroy cities and worlds and white houses and everything else but you know what he can't really tell a riveting story of people and i think not since the patriot has he really been able to achieve that kind of success and it's been since uh, 2000, since The Patriot came out. It's been since 96, since Independence Day came out. And those were his his best received movies. So you're, you're looking at a long stretch of time before this guy's really had a critical hit. Uh, I mean, what's is it the special effects that keep calling people back to him? I mean, it's a nice way of saying, like, how is this guy still getting work at this scale? Well, I do think a portion of it is the way that he can handle these um, these kind of big movies with big budgets, right? So, and that's what he's known for. But and and again, I mean, you know, to put all of it together and to make it look the way that it looks, especially you know on the big screen, I mean, there is something to what he. You know, I mean, it's a testament to what he can do, but with these movies, there is a clearly a problem in actually making something that, you know, for story and special effects to come together, which is something that Independence Day was able to do that I think he's had a really tough time trying to recreate. And I think he's still trying to do that. And no matter, again, no matter the cast, it kind of falls on, oh yeah, you know, it's it's shiny, but it's not nearly as um, it's not nearly as riveting as it should be. There's nothing compelling about it, and I think he's kind of fallen in. I think he's kind of fallen into that, and he's doing these big epic movies that really are pretty hollow. And I mean, listen. To be fair, you and I are sitting here talking about how we didn't enjoy these movies from a critical point of view but while 2012 only made 166 million at the domestic box office that some bitch turned in 757 million plus worldwide and it was the same sort of thing with uh the day after tomorrow 186 domestic 555 worldwide uh so people people were paying to see these movies man and I think for I think a lot of it is that spectacle part of it. Yeah. Right. So 
But and that's probably how he keeps. I mean, that probably answers our question on how he keeps getting hired. Is that you know what? Even if it doesn't work domestically, he's almost a guarantee success internationally. And you compare, you know, kind of combine that, and his movies make money. Now, granted, people, you know, critics alike may fucking hate it, but at the yeah. same time, people are going and 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 seeing them. And I mean, you know, that keeps rolling in business. You mentioned Anonymous, which is one that he produced and directed in 2011 as one that you actually like. Talk about it for a second, because I feel like it's kind of lost in the shuffle when you think about his uh, more well-known works. Oh, it's definitely lost in the shuffle, and I really don't think a lot of people realize he even did something like this. But um, it's essentially the theory that William Shakespeare did not write his own stuff and someone else was behind it. And um, it's actually a pretty interesting movie. And honestly, it it sticks out because it is not your typical Roland Emmerich movie. It's something that I think a lot of people would not think he would take on, something to what we've kind of have already alluded to as far as with The Patriot. But um, but yeah, it's kind of one of those that honestly, instead of some of these big budget ones that have made way more money than it should have – you know, Anonymous didn't really do a whole lot, but that's probably one that I would that I would recommend more so than going and watching, you know, 10,000 BC. We're going to take our last commercial break of the show. And when we get back, we're going to wrap things up on today's discussion of Roland Emmerich's filmography here on the Vix Flicks podcast. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back here on the Vix Flicks podcast, wrapping things up with Brandon Vick. Uh, 2013, Brandon, White House Down comes out. And, I mean, take a 51% on Rotten Tomatoes for, you know, what it is, but it's still one of his better rated movies. I actually thought it was pretty enjoyable uh, for the time. Uh, and it kind of reminded me, what's the other series of movies that have come out that are almost just like it. I always get the two mixed up, but uh, what did you think of white house down when it came out? I thought it was okay. I think it came out pretty close to um, the, um, it's the the has fallen series, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually didn't think white house down was as good. And I, even with Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx, it just, some things just don't mesh well together. And maybe because they came out within that same year, it also, you know, added to it. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of felt like in a sense, it was kind of going back to maybe what he's most remembered for with independence day and the explosion of the white house. And I don't know, I don't know if it's kind of a trying to capture, you know, the glory days, but, um, and granted, listen, Channing Taylor and Jamie Foxx are two, a-list actors. I mean, he's never really had a problem on getting a cast. Like we talked about Halle Berry is going to be in his new one, but it's a, um, yeah, there's just, you know, there's no substance behind most of these movies. And so it just seems so empty and it's exactly, I mean, I don't know. He's become, 
unfortunately, with everything that's happened, and even though he can make shit look cool when it explodes, it's become so predictable that he hasn't been able to live up to what he first, you know, sold everyone on with Independence Day and Godzilla and things of the late 90s. You mentioned capturing the glory days and talking about Independence Day. In 2016, we actually get the sequel, and it's the first time we hit that trifecta again. You wrote it, produced it, directed it. It's the first time we get that since 2009, 2012. What do you remember about the Independence Day sequel? Do you think uh, it, it was one that was worth doing? Uh, I don't know if it was worth doing. I wasn't really disappointed in it, but at the same time, um, it's kind of something on trying to recreate what you did in the 90s that just doesn't pan out. I mean, Will Smith isn't in it, so he's, well, okay, he's a son. All right, well, we got Jeff Goldblum this time and Bill Pullman. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it also, um, it it sort of made you miss the original more so than this building on and, and, and it being better than the original. I mean, that just, that wasn't going to happen probably no matter what. Yeah. And, and while it did make 384 million worldwide, uh, that wasn't half of what the original made. Right. And for once that was actually considered a real letdown and not, um, I mean, somewhat of a summer flop. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, we may have even talked about that. On, a, on yeah. an episode of the show back then, I uh, just didn't, I don't know. It kind of feels like, you know, man, that's a, that's a long time in between sequels. And this isn't a brand like Marvel or Batman or something, you know, superhero movies that people are going to flock to in droves uh, just because well, it has the name value. Right. And near though, it's cool to see some, if you can't, I mean, granted, I mean, if you can't do, if you can't bring back the the Will Smith, which Independence Day made a star, yeah, then you know it's 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 never going to be the same. Yeah, very true, very true. 2019, we get uh, Midway, which I I never saw Brandon. Even though when we went to Sobros go to the movies, you, me, and Reed posed in the little cardboard airplane they had out there. Um. I didn't see it either. I well, I'm sorry. I didn't see it in theaters. I actually rented it, and um, I think it's 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 borderline like two and a half hours, Oof. and it is it's too long, and it's very. I mean, it's just it's a war. It's a weak war movie. Now, part of it is is if you see something like 1917, and then you watch Midway, it's it's Midway looks pathetic, and. Yeah. It's also, again, I hate to say it, but he's he hasn't changed the formula at all. It's these big budget things, but the emotion and the characters and any kind of depth that you're looking for is not in Rolick Emmerich movies. It's just these flashy set pieces in action, and even then, the action doesn't always deliver. It's not always astounding like it once was when he was doing stuff for Independence Day and, and things like that in the you know, I mean, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Usually we get to the end of these episodes and we, we try and offer up a uh, Mount Rushmore. But fuck Roland Emmerich. <laughs> I, I I don't mean to shit on this dude so bad because, like, good good for him, man. He's made some money and he's got a legacy in Hollywood that, you know, he's 
he's brought in some real dough. Three billion dollars ain't yeah. nothing to ain't nothing to laugh at. Three billion dollars. Listen, I mean, I I nothing can take that away from him. I I do feel like that it is. I feel like he's kind of lucky. I think he's kind of got these big budget stuff where people go see. But I also feel like a lot of audiences could very well leave disappointed. I know yeah. I have in the past. But listen, his money still makes movies. And whether it's in the United States or all around the world, I mean, you know, three billion is three billion. I my point being, I don't think I could name I don't think I could name four movies of his that I actually really enjoyed. I think for me it would be uh The Patriot, number one, um Independence Day number two. And really, from what I remember. I would put Godzilla at number three, but I don't even, I mean, there's a chance I watch it today and think this is stupid as fuck. So I, I think I would just safely go, you know what? I like the Patriot. I like the Independence Day movie. That's it. I'm just call it a day. I, I'm on the, I'm on the same page with you. I mean, for me, I guess I would say Independence Day only because that's kind of what introduced him to me. And that is something that is still fun and entertaining and but I also agree with the Patriot. I think that's one that a lot of people would not think that was from the same director, but it was um, it was really well done. Um, you know, the only thing I would say is I do like the Godzilla one. So I guess if I could put four, I could, I could you know, I could put Independence Day, Patriot, Godzilla and Anonymous only because I feel like Anonymous is a little um underrated it didn't get the attention deserved because it wasn't that kind of big budget disaster movie but it actually was different for him to take on which i kind of appreciate but yeah i'm like you independence day and patriot are probably the only two where like if someone asked me hey if i only saw two movies from old Emmerich, what would you suggest it would only be um it, i really could wholeheartedly only tell you those two all right, man. Uh, you got any parting shots on Roland Emmerich before we send this thing on home? No, I mean, you know, when his filmography is 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 somewhat consistent dealing with the kind of movies he wants to make or likes to make or maybe he's been pigeonholed to make. But um, there are there is some stuff that is very much. Uh, well done. So you know that he has it in him and whether it comes out in this new one with Halle Berry or not only, uh, you know, we'll see, but, uh, you know, listen, Hollywood calls him for certain stuff and he's there to answer. So, you know, I mean, he's doing his thing at 3 billion. I mean, so I guess the hell with what we think. You going to go see Moonfall? Yeah, maybe (laughs) (laughs) after all the shit I've talked. Yeah, maybe. I think I'd go see it too. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, if it's fun, and the thing is for Roland Emmerich, is it could be. I know. Good. I'm not yeah. saying it's going to be a masterpiece, but that's the thing. He kind of keeps you like, well, maybe I'll check this out. So, I mean, yeah, I can't say that I wouldn't. Our third Vix Flicks podcast episode on a filmmaker. We've started with M. Night Shyamalan. Peter Berg and now Roland Emmerich. That's quite the, uh, quite the trio of filmmakers there. Oh man. I wonder who else would you start with? Right. I was going to say, well, I can't think of any other directors to start with. So (laughs) I really, I mean, there Uh, you go. Top three done. Check, check, check. All right, Brandon, remind our listeners how they can get in touch with you on Twitter. 
at Sir Brandon V hashtag VixFlix for all the uh, most up-to-date recent reviews. And of course, at VixFlixPod. And I am at Stony Keeley. Collectively, we are at Sobros Network. You can check out all of our latest work at SobrosNetwork.com. Sign up for the Sobros Network Patreon and gain exclusive access to the Sobros team and over 200 items of premium content. We're talking podcasts, articles, videos, features, business updates, all kinds of stuff on there at patreon.com slash Sobros Network. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the VixFlix podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you take in your shows, we're there. For Damn it. Oh. Almost made it a whole show without having to edit out a burp. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> For Mr. Big Shot, the resident film critic of Sobros Network, Brandon Vick, I am Big Natural Stony Keeley. And until next time, you stay classy, moviegoers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.